Hello, it's Stephanie Colvin. Thank you so much for joining us this week at LDS Real People Real Lives. I am your host coming to you from Southern California. This week, the episode will be on Lessons from Liberty Jail. This is a talk that Elder Holland gave back in, I believe it was 2009 or 2008 at BYU. really cool story. I was praying to know what topic to cover this week. And about a week and a half ago, my very good friend, Lisa Stassforth, who's just a sweetheart. I really look up to her. She's one of those women in my ward that has been such a great example of how to be a woman that is like a pioneer woman, a woman of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just adore her and I have a lot of respect for her. And she happened to be listening to this talk by Elder Holland. Uh, Again, it's titled Lessons from Liberty Jail. And she had mentioned that she would like to have an episode covering this particular talk. And I really appreciated her reaching out to me through text. Uh, This, as a matter of fact, came only a few hours after I had prayed about what to cover. And then, I think it was the day after this text message from her, um, I just felt really super impressed to reach out to her and just felt very compelled to ask her if she would be willing to share her special experience that she had while she was listening to the talk. So she will be coming up a little bit later. And I wanted to start with an excerpt from the talk by Elder Holland. I just think it was so powerful and a great inclusion for this episode so listen up and thanks again for joining us every one of us in one way or another great or small dramatic or incidental are going to spend a little time in liberty jail spiritually speaking we will face things we do not want to face for reasons that may not have been our fault Indeed, we may face difficult circumstances for reasons that were absolutely right and proper, reasons that came because we were trying to keep the commandments of the Lord. We may face persecution. We may endure heartache and separation from loved ones. We may be hungry and cold and forlorn. Yes, before our lives are over, we may all be given a little taste of what the prophets faced often in their lives. But the lessons of the winter of 1838-39 teach us that every experience can become a redemptive experience if we remain bonded to our Father in Heaven through that difficulty. These difficult lessons teach us that man's extremity is God's opportunity. And if we will be humble and faithful, if we will be believing and not curse God for our problems, he can turn the unfair and the inhumane and debilitating prisons of our life into temples, or at least into a circumstance that can bring comfort and revelation, divine companionship, and peace. 
I absolutely love where he says that the lessons of the winter of 1838 and 39 teach us that every experience can become a redemptive experience if we remain bonded to our Father in heaven. That's such wonderful, quick assurance um, that we can have these experiences from such horrible situations and circumstances that we're given and that we can have this progression and growth, this obtaining of this divine knowledge that comes from honestly and truthfully, just sometimes the suffering that we must endure and go through these experiences. So I wanted to start off a little bit talking about what happened to Joseph Smith and some of the earlier saints um, and why they were uh, imprisoned at Liberty Jail. So on December 1st of 1838, there were some curious residents of Liberty, Missouri, and they had gathered near the center of town and they watched six men descend from a wagon and walk slowly up the steps of the county jail. Now those six men were leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that was Joseph Smith Jr., his brother Hiram, Sidney Rigdon, Lyman White, Caleb Baldwin, and Alexander McGray. They had been arrested and falsely accused of treason, and now they would wait until they could appear before a judge. Sidney Rigdon would be released in early February, and the others would be imprisoned until a I think it was early April, uh, they would be locked inside a building commonly known as Liberty Jail. And isn't that ironic? This jail was very confining. The walls were very thick. Uh, they were enclosed two, in two small rooms, one above the other. Day after day, the prisoners and guards crowded into those tight spaces. Uh, the Liberty Jail was dark. Sunlight could only sneak through the tiny barred windows that were sunk into the thick walls. And the jailhouse was very cold. The windows welcomed frigid winter air more than they welcomed sunlight. In the lower room, straw did little to shield the prisoners from the cold stone floor where they tried to sleep. Liberty Jail was also very grim. The guards were often rude and profane. The food was absolutely filthy and disgusting. Family and friends sometimes visited, but those visits always came to an end. I remember reading somewhere that the food, uh, they, they actually tried to poison Joseph Smith Jr. and the other inmates. Uh, more frequent were visits from locals, some yelling curses, others peering inquisitively through the windows. They just had a lot going on and they were definitely harassed definitely bullied and definitely persecuted and isn't that just kind of what we go through as we follow in the footsteps the best we can of our savior jesus christ conditions outside the jail were also grim uh, many latter-day saints had become uh, selfish and contentious they had failed to establish the city of zion that the lord had commanded them to build in jackson county missouri and some had turned against the prophet joseph smith Groups of local settlers, troubled by the saints' zeal and increasing presence, had driven them from place to place. And Joseph and others had been arrested, um, I think, at the end of October of 1838. So they spent quite, a, you know, a quite an amount of time, a few months, definitely, in one of the most coldest winters on record for that area. 
Um, when Joseph was arrested at the end of October of 1838, the next day a traitorous Mormon military leader had surrendered the city of Far West to Missouri militiamen, and the city would be almost empty four months later as saints throughout Western Missouri fled to the state of Illinois. The prisoners occasionally received letters from their family and loved ones. Joseph observed that the letters breathed a kind and consoling spirit and were to our souls as the gentle air is refreshing, he said. The letters were also reminders of the hard times outside the prison walls. He said, our joy is mingled with grief because of the suffering of the poor and much injured saints. I mean, these people, the earlier saints, they went through so much persecution and suffering and pain and sorrow. And they did all of this for a wonderful, wonderful, I mean, I can't even put words to it for the restoration. What would we have done if we didn't have the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can you imagine not having the the vision that Joseph Smith Jr. talked about and told us about that he had seen with Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father? That we didn't have the golden plates and the Book of Mormon wasn't translated? Yet just really try to imagine your life without all of this knowledge and peace and comfort that comes from it and also the tremendous blessings. So going back to the captives in Liberty Jail, considering their emotions, I'm sure that they experienced a wealth of emotion. Um, Sadness, loneliness, confusion, anger, anxiety about being hungry and homeless families. Um, their families, what were going on with their families, their children, and their spouses. Uh, there was a lot of uncertainty about how to lead hundreds of outcasts and doubts about whether those outcasts would continue to accept their leadership. So how could the Latter-day Saints, those in jail and those in exile, gain the peace and strength that they needed? And how would they ever build Zion? So after two weeks in jail, Joseph had optimistically written And he says, Zion shall yet live, though she seemeth to be dead. Three months later, burdened by heavy concerns, he expressed his anguish and prayer. And the prophet cried out in prayer, and he said, O God, where art thou? And where is the pavilion that covereth the hiding place? How long shall thy hand be stayed, and thine eye, yea, thy pure eye, Behold from the eternal heavens the wrongs of thy people and of thy servants, and thine ear be penetrated with their cries. Yea, O Lord, how long shall they suffer these wrongs? And unlawful oppressions before thine heart shall be softened toward them, and thy bowels be moved with compassion toward them. And you know what happened? The Lord answered. And I think that's the biggest lesson that we can take from the experience and the story of Liberty Jail and all that they went through is, you know, Elder Holland calls that a prison temple. And I think that that is very powerful and illuminating. Don't we, when we go through the hardest hardships and trials and really our Gethsemane moments in our lives, find the greatest, most powerful, sacred, treasures of knowledge if we remain bonded to the Lord that is always the key so how do we remain bonded to the Lord it's being faithful praying always 
being repentant, humble, meek, asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness, keeping the commandments, and so much more. We're given many, many ways to show the Lord and our Heavenly Father our discipleship, our conviction, and how much we love them. And we know that they know what's best for us because they're omniscient and they love us. They love us with an all-encompassing love. So the Lord answered Joseph. He heard his prayer just as much as he hears your prayers. He spoke personally to Joseph and his counsel also touched the other prisoners and reached beyond the prison walls. Joseph and his companions included the Lord's words in two letters addressed to the entire church. And those words now can be found in Doctrine and Covenants sections 121 and 122. At a time of great need, the Lord provided direction and hope for his prophet and his people. The Lord never abandons his children. Referring to Doctrine and Covenants, section 121, this is what the Lord um, tells Joseph Smith Jr. in response to his pleadings and his prayers, his exercise of faith. Uh, starting with verse 7, he says, My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thy adversity and thine affliction shall be but a small moment. And then verse 8, And then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high, Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. Thy friends do stand by thee, and they shall hail thee again with warm hearts and friendly hands. Thou art not yet as Job. Thy friends do not contend against thee, neither charge thee with transgression, as they did Job. I love the reassurance that he gives to uh, Joseph Smith. It just reminds me so much of just a loving parent. And you know how I, I try to even comprehend the love that Father has for us all and, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And even the Holy Ghost is my parents love me unconditionally with their whole hearts. And magnify that by a trillion and a gazillion. And that is God's love for us. Um, it's just amazing and it's so humbling, but it also can give us confidence as we push forward in our Gethsemane moments. I also really like verse 10. Thou art not yet as Job. Thy friends do not contend against thee, neither charge thee with transgression as they did Job. And he's reminding Joseph that yes, his situation and circumstances are dire. They are hard. It's painful and there's just a lot of suffering but he has not gone through what job has gone through and i think that that was just a quick reminder to somehow in any of circumstances that were given and joseph smith definitely at that time in liberty jail is to figure out how to find some peace some comfort and even just some peaceful joy within him and his circumstance to know that he is suffering for all righteousness. It's interesting that we're even talking about this because about a week ago on a Facebook page that I follow for LDS anxiety and depression, I follow that page obviously because I have family members who have mental illness 
and there was a post and I responded to one of the comments uh, stating that a lot of these hardships and trials that we come up against the sufferings and you know these bitter cups that we have to carry and swallow and swallow and swallow can bring about these wonderful beautiful divine moments in our lives that are just unforgettable and we need to hold on to those spiritual experiences because they continue to nourish that faith that ground of faith that you have acquired that you should never give up an inch and um someone responded to me when i said that saying that you know it never does any good to be a martyr for jesus christ and that really struck me because i felt that was i don't know that they kind of missed the point of the comment um but i understand that you know when we read text messages or comments on social media that you know we're 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 inflecting our own thoughts our own tone to it and our own interpretation i know that this sweet woman did not mean anything negative but she certainly didn't understand my comment i've always said a lot of beautiful wonderful miraculous things come out of very bad horrible situations and that is if we stay bonded to God and our savior Jesus Christ doing the things that keep us on that straight and narrow path in section 121 verse 25 it says for there is a time appointed for every man according as his work shall be god shall give unto you knowledge by his holy spirit yea by the unspeakable gift of the holy ghost that has not been revealed since the world was until now all thrones and dominions principalities and powers shall be revealed and set forth upon all who have endured valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ so you know they're instructing us they're telling us what do we do what do we want to do what do we need to do in order to have these blessings in our lives and to welcome these wonderful uh, just miracles of attention and help and assistance and love and they're telling us that we have to be valiant that we need to endure it well not just endure it and i know that there are times that i feel like wow you know they're just asking a little bit too much but as i've further studied out some scriptures and other uh talks that i've read I do understand that suffering and pain is the master teacher. And what that does is I'm sure you already know as it strips us of all pride. It strips us of any desire to be in the world and to partake of the world and what the world has to offer. And we have to be kind of our hearts have to be prepped and ready in order to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we do accept the gospel, we you know, we do take that first covenant and we're baptized and we receive the Holy Ghost through the laying on of hands through the power of the priesthood. Um then we're asked to endure it well and to endure it valiantly. You know, just valiantly. But the promises that are given to us if we do this are always going to far outweigh any of our sacrifices or pain or hardships that we're going through and i i believe you me i understand that when you're going through it sometimes it's really difficult because you're you're standing so close to the painting that you just see one little portion of the painting 
because you're going through so much and you're wound tight and everything's just intense and there's anxiety and there's a lot of worries and stress. But when we take a step back and look at that painting using our faith, the power of prayer, opening our scriptures, studying out the word of God, we can see the whole picture and we can find the comfort and the peace even in the midst of our storms that we experience. So the promises of enduring it well and being valiant, it says in verse 45 and 46 of section 121, Doctrine and Covenants, let thy bowels also be full of charity towards all men and to the household of faith and let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God and the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. The Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion and thy scepter, an unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth. And thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion and without compulsory means it shall flow unto thee forever and ever. So we have further instruction in 45. You know, we're constantly counseled to have charity, faith, hope, and charity. Um, to let virtue garnish our thoughts. And then the blessings, we will have confidence and it'll wax strong in the presence of God. We need this confidence to make it through this experience here on earth. Um, that the doctrine of the priesthood should distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. And that is the government of heaven. That is the power of heaven. We want this knowledge to be given to us. And then in 46, it says the Holy Ghost will be our constant companions. Thy scepter, an unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth. That conviction, you're going to be an iron rod. There's so many wonderful blessings, wonderful blessings that are promised to us. Now I'm going to share with you a little excerpt from my wonderful friend, Lisa Stasforth, who is here in California and is coming up next. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me share my thoughts and feelings about Elder Holland's talk, Lessons from Liberty Jail. There's so much in this talk that my mind is just swirling with thoughts and things. One of the first experiences that I can think of or that comes to mind is an experience I had with a little boy at school. Now, our kids at school have speech and language issues. So they don't always articulate what they're feeling and sometimes they act out. <clears throat> This one particular little boy had a tendency to always whine and complain. And I recognized this was merely because he didn't know how to say how he felt. And so I felt it was important for me to just listen and be there for him and let him know that he could come talk to me and I would listen and, and understand and not judge him. This one particular day, I don't remember what was happening, but it was something to do with some of the other boys in the class. And it was towards the end of the period. 
and he was kind of whining and he was complaining about something. I wish I could remember what it was about, but I don't think that matters for this example. And I looked at him and I said, what can I help you with? And he says, I don't need any help. And I said, okay. And then he walks over to me and puts his hand on my upper arm. And for this child, this always meant to me that he trusted me and that he wanted to share his feelings. And so he would tell me what was bothering him. And I, all I did was just acknowledge his feelings and validated them because that's really all children want. And after he left our school and graduated, I've thought about him over the years and I realized that he trusted me as his teacher. He knew that I would listen. And so his behavior around me greatly improved because he knew that he felt safe in the room in expressing himself. And now our three and four-year-olds, their adversity right now is not being able to communicate. And that's a pretty hard thing. And often they get in trouble for their actions because they can't speak them. They can't speak how they're feeling. And so they get into trouble. And so I have tried to let them know that, you know, you're not going to be in trouble. Just try to communicate to us what you're feeling and we'll go from there. And so that brings me to Elder Holland's talk that in our adversity when we're feeling just mad, we're wondering why we're being punished or why is this happening to me? Why does God hate me? Well, the reality is he doesn't hate us. He knows what we're going to go through and all he wants from us the only thing the Lord wants from us is for us to come to him be still and listen and be open to the answers a lot of times we don't want the answer he's going to give us because it's just as hard as the adversity and the scripture in Matthew, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give thee rest. And then he goes on further to say, um, you know, learn of me. You know, that's all we have to do is just listen and wait and be willing to act upon those promptings. In Liberty Jail, you know, we have three sections of the Doctrine and Covenants where the Lord is telling us, you know, look, this is not going to be long. But Joseph Smith received some some very important uh, revelations there. And so in our adversity, when we're thinking that the Lord's abandoned us, which he never will, we can receive profound lessons that will help us move forward in that adversity. One of the last scriptures or rather the last verse in 
Doctrine Covenants 123 is verse 17. It says, Therefore, dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power, and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. So if through our adversity we could just kind of calm down and just be still and listen, we'll know the will of the Lord in our life. It still may not be easy, but the promise is that he will always be there. And this is something that I think the little boy in my class learned about me as his teacher, that no matter how he behaved, if I just helped him stand still and be calm, he felt safe and gained the confidence to conquer anything that happened in the classroom, which for an adult was not a big deal, but for these three and four-year-olds and sometimes the five-year-olds, it was a big deal. So I hope and pray that as we, especially this time during the coronavirus and this lockdown, that we keep our hope. I think one of the reasons why I've been able to uh, endure the adversity that I've experienced is I've tried to always keep hope and know with assurance that the Lord has my back and that he's going to be there for me. I might be uncomfortable for a while, but I will get through it. And I say it's the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I just love Lisa's story and the sharing of her testimony and faith. What really hit me is when she said, through our adversity, we can just kind of calm down and just be still and listen. We can know the will of the Lord in our life. The key is listening. We need to be able to get rid of our distractions. She goes on to say, it may not be easy, but we know he will always be there in our life. That's an assurance. That's a fact. And that's never going to change. And then she says, this gives us, this gives safety and confidence. That is the result of being still and waiting upon the Lord. She goes on to say that the Lord will have your back and it may be uncomfortable for a while, but she knows that she will get through it. And that is the kind of confidence and faith that we all should have when we go through our Liberty Gel moments. And you know, it's not for me, it's not automatic. I have to work at it. This is something that um, is not second nature for me. But what I've realized is as I work at it, it does become more and more natural for me to go there first versus another way that may bring, bring a little bit more pain and sorrow and just stress into my life. So Lisa, thank you so much for just being the best. Okay, so the first lesson from Liberty Jill is inherent in what was already mentioned, that everyone, including and perhaps especially the righteous, will be called upon to face very trying times. When that happens, we can sometimes fear that God has 
left us, that he's abandoned us, and at least for a time he's abandoned us. And we can wonder when our troubles will ever end, if they will ever end. Is this going to be forever? I know that oftentimes I have felt that way. Whenever these moments of our extremity come, we must not succumb to the fear that God has abandoned us or that he does not hear our prayers because he does hear us. He does see us. He loves us. And when we are in dire circumstances and want to cry out with all our heart, where art thou? It is imperative that we remember that he truly is right there with us where he has always been. He's never left. It reminds me of that poem of the footprints in the sand. We must continue to believe, continue to have faith, continue to pray and plead with heaven, even if we feel for a time our prayers are not being heard and that God has somehow gone away. He is most definitely still there. Our prayers are heard, rest assured. And when we weep, he and the angels of heaven weep with us. We are not alone. Elder Holland goes on to say, just at the time he felt most alone and distant from heaven's ear, he's talking about Joseph Smith here, distant from heaven's ear was the very time he received the wonderful ministration of the Spirit and the glorious answers that came from his Father in heaven. And that's Doctrine and Covenants 121, verse 7 through 8. My son, peace be unto thy soul, the adversity of thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. And then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high, and thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. What a wonderful piece of knowledge, and what a wonderful peace given to each of us. The second lesson is we need to realize that just because difficult things happen, it does not mean that we are unrighteous or that we are unworthy of blessings or that God has somehow all of a sudden become disappointed in us. Of course, sinfulness does bring suffering. And the only answer to that behavior is repentance. But sometimes suffering comes to the righteous too. It's just the way it is. You will recall that from the depths of Liberty Jail, when Joseph was reminded that he had indeed (sighs) suffered and suffered greatly, that he was to remember that the same thing had happened to the Savior of the world. And in Doctrine and Covenants section 122, verse 8, it says, The Son of Man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? Joseph wasn't we aren't and we will definitely have our gethsemane moments expect them and that's why faith is so very important he goes on to say that christ had been cast into trouble joseph smith had been cast into trouble They had passed through tribulation and had been falsely accused. They had been torn away from their family and cast into a pit of murderers. Nevertheless, Joseph was to remember that the same thing had happened again to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And because he was triumphant, we will be too. Remember that in Doctrine and Covenants section 122, verse 8, The Son of Man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? No, Joseph wasn't, we aren't, 
but the promise to follow the Savior, to walk in his footsteps and be his disciples, we are giving to him this promise to go where that divine path leads us. And that path of salvation has always led one way or another through Gethsemane. It's just the way it is. That's just the way this experience is. So if the Savior faced such injustices and discouragements, such persecutions, so much unrighteousness and suffering, we can't expect that we're not going to face some of that if we still intend to call ourselves as true disciples and faithful followers. When it's obvious that a little time in Liberty Jail waits before you, spiritually speaking, remember that God has not forgotten you and that the Savior has been where you've been allowing him to provide for your deliverance and your comfort. And the third lesson from Liberty Jail is remain calm, patient, charitable, and forgiving. Elder Holland says when we face such distressing circumstances in our life and there is something in us that wants to strike out at God or man or friend or foe, we must remember that no power or influence can or ought to be maintained except by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love and feigned, without hypocrisy and without guile. It has always been a wonderful testimony to me, this is Elder Holland speaking, of the Prophet Joseph's greatness and the greatness of all of our prophets, including and especially the Savior of the world and his magnificence, that in the midst of such distress and difficulty, they could remain calm and patient, charitable and forgiving, that they could even talk that way, let alone live that way. But they could and they did. They remembered their covenants. They disciplined themselves. And they knew that we must live the gospel at all times not just when it's convenient and not just when things are going well. Indeed, they knew that the real test of our faith and our Christian discipleship is when things are not going smoothly. That is when we get to see what we're made of and how strong our commitment to the gospel really is. I've often said that when we have trials and hardships, it's a great opportunity to exercise our faith. I read something recently on one of my many LDS accounts that I follow on Instagram that said, the Lord needs you to look like, sound like, act like, and dress like a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And that is our beloved prophet, President Russell M. Nelson. I'm so grateful for his leadership, for his wisdom, and for his connection to our Savior who sits at the head of this church here on earth. In the last verse of section 123, and Lisa said this too, it says, Therefore, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power, and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. And that's verse 17 in section 123. What a tremendously optimistic and faithful declaration to be issued from a prison temple. Have you come to know your own prison temple? I hope so, for it's these experiences that qualify us for the glories of the celestial kingdom of heaven. Elder Holland ends the talk saying, Yet in these cold, lonely hours, Joseph says, Let us do all we can and do it cheerfully. And then we can justifiably turn to the Lord, wait upon his mercy, and see his arm revealed in our behalf. What a magnificent attitude to maintain in good times or bad, in sorrow or in joy. And it always reminds me 
of 1 Nephi when he talks about living after the manner of happiness. This is not a linear experience. It is going to be up and down, highs and lows, and that is why we have the gospel in our lives. That we can be empowered, that we can be redeemed, and that the very treasures and pearls of wisdoms can be given to us in the hardest of times in our own Gethsemane moments to endure, to have confidence in the Lord, and to trust them, and to give up our will and adopt their will for us, our lives, and our family, and follow that straight and narrow path back to that beautiful tree of life. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I so appreciate your time. Love hearing from you guys. So keep those direct messages and emails coming. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is truly fighting a hard battle. Until next week, take care and God bless.